0: This is Lloydminster Show. This is local that matters to you. Local people. Local events. Local news and sports for Lloydminster and area. This is live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. Murr, it is a chilly one today and uh, a dark one out there as well. And when I came into the New Lloyd Mr. Nissan today, opened the door, everything kind of just blew over on, uh, on Paul. He had everything set up here nice and neat. And then I came in and uh, the curtains went flying, everything's flying over the place. That's how windy it is out there today. And that wind has some bite. Well, Greg Buchanan joins me. Uh, Greg is uh, one of the newest employees, maybe the newest employee here at the New Lloyd Mr. Nissan. And uh, what we should do is gather the staff around and buck can tell us what exactly he does around here so then i i can stop i can start telling people when they ask me. sales development no manager sales thing.
1: development manager
0: what does that mean we're working on that see what i mean see what i mean what does buck do around it i don't know buck what do you do around i don't know nobody seems to know but he is here today to help host uh, what we call, we're calling our sports show we are going to do this every couple of yep. weeks Yeah, and uh, what we need to do is give Buck something to do and to justify his cushy (laughs) job. So that's why we're basically doing the sports show today. But we have some fantastic guests today. We have Paul Waldo joining us, uh, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider and three time Grey Cup champion, uh, twice with the Montreal Alouettes, including in 2009. But we don't hold that against him very often. And uh, we also have uh, Reed Wilkins joining us. And Reed spent uh, many years here uh, in Lloyd Minster. And our first guest today is uh, Dean Stark. He is the president of Lloyd Minor Hockey. Hello. And he's been a guest on this show before. So, Dean, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it.
2: Well, thanks for the opportunity, Kurt.
0: Now, first thing you want to talk about was your Chicago Blackhawks.
2: Yeah, that wasn't the first thing I wanted to talk about. That was the first thing you we'll wanted will bring to talk up the about. Montreal Canadiens if he brings yeah, up that. Yeah, you like know, that's <laughs> about the only defense I would have. But no, I mean, struggling, obviously. Um, I was really happy, actually, when when I heard that Fleury was going there to to anchor their goaltending. And uh, um, I know that it was a, not, not necessarily his first choice, but mm-hmm. I was kind of happy as a Hawks fan. Uh, of course, with our captain still out, um, you know, he was there for some exhibition. There was some shining light there, but... Um, Patrick Kane just got his thousandth game. They gave him the silver stick. So um, maybe they put some distractions behind him. We'll see where they go uh, as the season progresses. But it hasn't been a great start, as you know, with your with your team as yeah. well.
0: None of us here are uh, big Edmonton Oilers fans, but I'm I'm pretty sure we all follow the team just because mm. the proximity yep. of the team. They're fun to watch, wouldn't you say? The Oilers are the funnest team in the league. To
1: well, watch? you got their power play alone. I I, I know. Dallas Aikens was interviewed before their game against Anaheim and Dallas says, what do you do with the Oilers power play? And he said, don't take penalties. So, so you're already in the mindset of teams are playing against it. How do you play a game of hockey that you're conscious of the, you know, body checks, stick work, all that stuff that you don't want to take penalties against this team. So that's going to change the way that you play the game against the Oilers. Because you don't want it to be in the box. Because you saw in Vegas, you saw throughout the season so far their power play. It's yeah. it's it's like a video game out there. Who would
0: have thought they would kill a five on three? Vegas kills a five on three yeah. somehow. I mean the orders hit the post, but but uh, but the orders would still win. Yeah. You yeah. know, you think that would give you every kind, every bit yeah. of energy, but it really didn't.
2: Well, for other fans, I think they have to be happy with what they've seen in the last couple of games out of Koskinen because really. Um, they're going to need a tandem. Uh, oh. Their offense won't carry them all the way. They, yeah. they do have some breakdowns, and uh, they need some goaltenders uh, to make some saves. And so far, they've got that at the start of the season, too. So, as long as Smith comes back healthy and constantly keeps doing what he's doing, uh, I think they'll do all right.
1: Yeah, I'm concerned a 39 year old getting extended. Like, really? Your yeah, 39 year old is a nephew. He's so motivated, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's still 39. You yeah, know? yeah Man, but,
0: so. you know. Like, none of us are real young. I feel pretty good. You feel pretty good, Dean? I feel great. I mean, uh, Buck, uh, you know, we, feel we hook good. oxygen up to him once in a while <laughs> to keep it going, but yeah. Yeah, I got my, I'm good now. Would you go so. in the, like, would you go in through the season with Koskinen and Smith?
2: Would I? As a, yeah. Or if with, you could
0: make a move, would you make
1: a move?
2: With, with what I saw last year, yes, I would have done the exact same thing others did. They made the right offseason moves in my mind. Um, the, the genius move in my mind was Zach Hyman. Yeah, I think he's yeah. starting to show and starting to prove. I think he's starting to gel with wherever they they use him and put him and need him. And I think he's proving what, what he can do. And that's only going to make the team stronger as well. And I think they've got some good young guys in there finally. You know, they've got rid of the Drew Jarcares and they've brought in the, the and and those kind of guys. And I think that's going to make the difference too.
1: Yeah, their, their top six is as good as any in four, that-wise. Their top six forwards are as good as any other team in the league. Just their bottom six has always been kind of, you know, hampering them, moving on to that next level. So now their bottom six is pretty good. The I like depth Shore is there. Too. Yeah, Shores, good. And, and even look at their back-end on defense-wise, too. Uh, and you all, they moved Bear out. But you know what? They, they moved in Keith. Keith is a good steadying of force for yep. those young guys out there. So I, I'm... I still don't like their goaltending and i don't care what people say that oh smitty was but the thing is when you're 39 and and you don't have a legit number one as potentially could step in if something goes wrong in net you're gonna have to win a lot of six four games
2: are there
0: any teams in the west that scare you like think that they could win the stanley cup this year
2: well first i just want to add the Oilers have Cassian scoring again too yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amongst everything else and so that's, now because like he
0: steps down a little bit right so
2: he, yeah yep. I agree with you Greg they, they didn't have a bottom six I think yep. they've got a top nine now yeah and and a, and a, and a, 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 a 10 11 12 that they're that they're starting to play with the the 13 and the 14 to find yep. who they can have for a shutdown line so um, you know I, I I still think that they're gonna have a, a good a good run so, uh,
0: is there anybody from the West that you think could win the Stanley Cup this year?
2: Well, pressure's on Colorado. I mean,
0: the Oilers, yeah. the Oilers yeah. are starting to look yeah. like it. I mean, I expect the Oilers to win every night now. Yeah. You know, especially playing
1: teams in the West. It's an 82-game schedule. A lot of things go, you know, what happens if Connor goes down? What happens if Leon goes? You know, but, but you can't but, worry about But everybody that. faces that, right? I think the pressure's really on Colorado right now. Uh, they've been kind of right there but they haven't gone over that hill yet. And, I, and then the pressure's always on in Vegas.
2: They, they've always been a contender, but they, yet they've got...
0: They don't look as good, though. They, no,
2: they don't. No, no. I think, I think this is going to be the first year for the that's going to test the Vegas fans with a team that might have a few more losses than wins, uh, yeah. even in their own building.
0: And Seattle's fun to watch. I mean, all they do is fight. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, home opener tonight should, should be a lot of fun. You know what? The, the team that that I was impressed with, but they ran across a, a very good team in Montreal, is the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think the Winnipeg Jets are legit. And, and I, I really like their goaltending is good, as good yeah. as anybody in the league. Yeah. Their back end is pretty strong. They have a good, strong top six. Uh, I, I think Winnipeg is one of those teams that could go very, very deep.
0: Well, you mentioned... You mentioned goaltending and that's what comes up to mind in colorado right away is how good is darcy camper like right. we all want him to be good because he's sort of a local boy mm-hmm. you know he's from just down the road here so yeah so we all kind of want him to to play well but you just wonder like he like how good oh, yeah. is he yeah. and can he stay healthy all year
1: the other one is dallas dallas is you know i think they had an off year last year uh had a heck of a year the following year or the year before and of course, they got Holtby there.
0: Uh, I like I like Holtby there. Yeah. Like Vancouver had no defense, and we're seeing already early in the year what a defense can make to a goaltender yeah. when the shots yeah. aren't coming from, you know, the slot every every single time. Yeah.
2: And Dallas made a couple of little little changes yeah. just to show that they were serious about being a contender and, and and winning again. So you look at the Fords up front,
1: you know, and, and you talk about a a solid power play. Look at the, who they can throw on the ice in a power play. Wow.
0: There's three. There's a team that has three goaltenders right now. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I think Bishop's back. Yeah. So you got three. I've never been a fan of Bishop. I've never been a fi- fan of Godoba. Yeah. But let's talk local. Okay. Uh, let's talk Lloyd Minor hockey. Sure. So first off, I guess, how is, how is everything going? Like, I, I know they throw things at you left and right, yeah. Dean. So how are things going?
2: Well, you know what, Kurt? We're, things are going well. I mean, the kids are on the ice. That's the big one. Um, and... Uh, we're, we're excited about what, the, what this season might look like. Um, I think that uh, we're going to get into it anyway, so let's just start right at the top. That I think both governments this year are committed to keeping youth sport going. Um, what they might do to, to protect that youth sport, I don't know if, if, if things change from where they are today, but um, if we can just take where we are today and even get better. Um, I think that both governments are committed to keeping youth sport running not just hockey and that's important for all All the kids and all the families out there. So what that, were the, that's the big message.
1: Yeah What were the numbers looking like? I know when you had almost no hockey last year and there's probably some concern some of those kids that, that are Maybe a year away from hockey may make a decision to go elsewhere It maybe me take up another hobby take up another sport. What were the numbers compared to two years ago to where it is now?
2: right so if you would have asked that question uh, a month or two ago when, uh, you know, we were just getting up and running and, and, and our elite program was just yep. starting their camps in August, I uh, would have probably told you we were down about 10 to or 15%. Um, as of late, I would say we're maybe only down about 5% from That's our numbers, which isn't too bad yep. from last year. Um, but, but last year numbers were down from the previous year. So overall, where were we from pre-COVID to now? We're probably down... 15 percent 10 to 15 percent probably uh would be a realistic number and uh definitely it has affected everybody one of the main concerns we have this year um uh, marianne who looks after all our, our ice and officials um has said that there's a real official shortage so i just wanted to bring that up today because uh i know she's doing everything she can to get games scheduled with officials and uh and it's really important if you're out there, if you've officiated before, if you're, if you're thinking about maybe what could you do to to help out. Um, you know, even if four guys are, are going to step up and work part-time, that's better than nobody getting up and uh, putting their hand up. So just wanted to put a little bit of shout-out out there to any of our officials that might be willing to come back or, or get recertified and come back out. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, they're starting to do two-man systems. And if this keeps going, we're not going to have games because we don't have officials. So... That's really the the biggest challenge that we're facing right now this year, believe it or not.
0: What are the the COVID rules right now in place, Dean? Like you you mentioned, like they could change. What's in place right now? So
2: right now for Lloydminster, uh, in our Lloydminster facilities, following the Saskatchewan Health Authority, for any of our listeners who don't know, we are governed by the Saskatchewan Health Authority here in the border city. Um, Right now, you can enter by wearing a mask. And you just need to be masked the whole time you're in the facility. So walking in until you walk out. Um, Our coaches are expected to wear masks on the bench. Um, And uh, the, the athletes themselves have to come in wearing their masks. And they can take them off just before they put on their helmets to go out on the ice. They don't need to wear them on the bench or on the ice surface while they're participating in sport. Right now, we don't have any spectator restrictions. If you remember last year, we had re- spectator restrictions in place because they were really worried about the physical distancing and so on. Right now, that rule is not in place. So right now, our spectator numbers are not impacted. So we're able to bring uh, full, full stands uh, to the games uh, as long as everybody's wearing their masks and, and following the masking guidelines.
1: Any division that you've seen uh, a drop off in numbers or increase in numbers from the previous years? From, from, any any certain division? Any
2: certain age group? Um, yeah, I would say uh, participation wise, it's our youngest age group. Greg, yeah. really, it's it's that U uh, seven, formerly the initiation, awesome. the five six year olds. Um, down a few there, not as as again, not as bad as we were yeah. in a month or two ago. Uh, we even put ourselves in the uh, registration night this year and had a registration table for the first time in years, uh, just to make sure people were aware yeah. that we still had room for for players. So. Um, yeah, it was actually the younger divisions, so we're, we're not doing too bad um, as we go older.
1: You established something, too. It's called pond hockey. Uh, right. And, and that, I, I love that because, as much as we talk about the elite program and we're trying to get that skill development for kids, there's some kids that, for either economic reasons or other reasons, that maybe can't afford to go and play that kind of brand of hockey, but they still
2: want to go out there and enjoy the game. Right. So you, you mentioned something big there. Um, when you say uh, it's a more affordable way to play the game, you got to remember there's no travel involved in mm-hmm. pod hockey. So that's where you can save on a lot of your expenses, fuel, hotel rooms, meals, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So you're right there. That's just a local program. Uh, the second thing is it's a little bit less registration money because they get started a little bit later. Um, they primarily play at the Archie Miller, which doesn't go in until the first part of November. And uh, this year, our director is Brad Passmore. He's going to have two divisions this year. It looks like he's going to have kind of a 12 and and under and then a um, a 13 and above division. Uh, He's got about, I think, 50 or just over 50 registrants in that program. Uh, That's down a little bit. So if you look at a program where we're maybe down some players, uh, we would be down some players in the pond program. We used to be able to kind of have three or four groups Uh, of players in the in the pond hockey program and grassroots program so uh no it's still up it's running um we still have interest and yeah it's it's non-structured there's no no practices uh it uh it is supervised of course by adult supervision and the kids get to go out and basically play shinny indoors instead of being on the odr you mentioned travel what is travel like
0: this this year like are 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 they able to take buses
2: Yes, um, there hasn't been any restrictions that way yet. Um, it, that's being left up to each team, how they want to uh, handle their team travel. And then they also have to follow whatever rules the bus line has. Right. So if the bus line has a certain rule that you need to follow, uh, whether your mask needs to be on for the whole trip or what, um, that's that's by individual bus lines. But, uh, yeah, they are allowed to still bus at this time. And, um there's, there's no restrictions that way.
1: There was one change uh, over the last couple of years, and that's the elite program, uh, and the way that Hockey Alberta runs it, not necessarily how Lloyd Minor Hockey runs it, how it's governed by Hockey Alberta. Maybe
2: explain those kind of changes that they made. To the elite program? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically what, what's happened there is, is Hockey Alberta has just basically made two streams of hockey. Um, so they have uh, an Alberta Elite Hockey League and an Alberta Female Hockey League. And uh, that's that basically brings the province together, I guess. Um, On the female side of the program, for example, our U18 AAA Steelers, there's open boundaries. So there's no longer just a draw zone around Lloydminster. There's open boundaries uh, through the province. And uh, that's just allowing players to go and play where they feel that they want to play.
0: It's such a different feel this year, isn't it? It it does feel like things are kind of getting somewhat back to normal. When I was a kid, I loved tournaments. Are you allowed to play more than one team, you know, per day? Are you allowed to have those tournaments? Because, I mean, that was always the big thing, uh, thing on the weekends, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Tourna- we st- we still have a few tournaments scheduled here in Lloyd. Um, again, we have a couple that we have to possibly postpone just, again, due to officials. Um, wow. wow. If you start bringing in a lot of teams and needing two or three slabs of ice and needing officials to run steady for three days or two days mm-hmm. at least on all those ice surfaces so uh but yes we are going to run some tournaments our team still can travel to tournaments the nice thing about uh this year is we are allowed to go on both sides of the border um there was some controversy last year that lloyd minor hockey teams were considered saskatchewan teams and if we were going to go play in our alberta leagues that we were leaving the province so we had to get an exemption for interprovincial play that's not the case this year at this time so yes kurt different field this year um I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, we're a lot better off than what we were a year ago with some of the rules that were in place then.
0: And just to, like, for anybody who maybe maybe somebody saying, well, you know, I've been thinking about getting into officiating. What's the first step you got to take?
2: First step would be, I would say, just go ahead, take a look on, on, the, um, on the Hockey Alberta website at the, at the clinics that are being offered or reach out to somebody that you know is an official. And, and maybe that's the first step because talk to them and ask them what's really involved um even myself it was quite a year quite a few years ago i was still coaching back then my uh, my my kids but they had done what they called the the rule not the rule change but the rule enforcement uh piece where they were going to enforce the rule book stricter than they had previously so they said they 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 mentioned over and over again we're not changing the rules but we're going to change how we enforce the rules yep. and at that particular time I was involved in the U16 uh, uh, AAA program and I, I felt it was very important for me as a coach to understand the rules to, to maintain my bench and to understand what the referees were doing so I got into roughing back then and I, that's what I did I reached out to some people that I knew that were officials and just had a nice chat with them and uh, you know what it's, it's actually quite rewarding um, yeah, you're going to get yelled at a little bit and so on. But, uh, you know what, things are a lot better than what they used to be, and there's always going to be that one or two people. But, um, you know what, it's, it's, it's actually quite rewarding, and, and that's really another way to give back to the game.
1: And there's some kids in minor hockey that are looking for a little bit of cash on the weekends. They can balance their, their game schedule as well as referee schedule. You see a lot of those kids doing that.
2: That's correct, Greg, and that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, if there's a, even if they are players in, in the league right now, um, yeah, you can ref the, the lower age groups. And uh, Greg's right. It's a nice way to put a little bit extra money in your pocket. keeps you on your skates and, uh, and down at the rink. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just for over-18s.
0: Anything we're forgetting, Dean, about uh, Lloyd Minor Hockey this season?
2: No, I don't think so. I just want to put a shout out again to all our volunteers and our sponsors. Uh, obviously, we can't run our program either without them. Uh, our volunteers stepped up huge again this year during evaluations, trial process, uh, the manager stepping up to get all the team formations done and get all that stuff done. So just just a real shout out to our volunteers and our sponsors for for allowing us to Uh, get the kids on the ice and do what they do
0: dean stark president of the lloyd minor hockey and we appreciate your time dean
2: Thank you for the opportunity to be in. Nice to to see you again here. See
0: see who wins a game first, your team or my team. (laughs) We'll
2: put that bet on the the table when we're off the air.
0: (laughs) I'm not even confident they're playing Detroit tonight. (laughs) We'll be right back with Reed Wilkins, and we'll continue to talk hockey. We'll talk about the Oilers, and we'll get into some football too. And uh, with the uh, Edmonton Elks on their bye week, we will talk about the Trevor Harris trade in just a moment. She's a personal finance expert and blogger.
3: So I want to share with you guys some of the biggest money mistakes we make. Because there's so much we can do to improve our financial lives. Hi, I'm Carrie Kay Taylor, and you're invited to join me November 1st for an exclusive members-only event with Synergy Credit Union. I'm going to share the strategies that will give you the clarity and confidence to build your financial dreams on your terms. It's going to be fun, so if you're not a member yet, join right now, and I'll see you soon.
4: We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today. Welcome
3: Welcome back inside inside the new Lloydminster Nissan. Nissan. Very excited excited to be joined
0: by by a uh, friend of ours and and a gentleman that you'll you'll recognize. recognize, Spent a few years here in Lloydminster. Reed Wilkins, 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 the voice of 630 Chat of Inside Sports, sports sports joins us. Reed, it's it's great to see you. What happened to the beard? beard.
4: well, that's a good question. I haven't had the beard for a couple of years. I was kind of going back and forth for a while. Obviously, when I worked in Lloyd Minster and I was on TV, I, I never really had one. And then I've been off and on for the last few years, but I guess I've been without for a while. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I need to look a little bit younger now that I'm, I'm getting up there in age.
0: Aren't we all? Hey, we'll never be as old as Buck, though. So hey, 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 I'm, I'm sitting right here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a lot of our viewers will wonder, Reed, how are you doing? How are things going with, with Reed Wilkins?
1: Well,
4: things are great. Thanks for asking. First of all, it's great to see you guys. And uh, you guys were excellent broadcasters and two people I looked up to, but I hope things are great at, is it Nissan or Nissan? Nissan? Good question. It's not Nissan. It's not Nissan. It's not Nissan. Okay, that's
0: good. There's (laughs) something missing at Nissan, and it's usually us, yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you look back, is there a memory that you have, a specific memory? What comes to mind when you think about your time in Lloydminster?
4: Well, a lot. But I I think if I were to have to single out a couple of things, I mean, I I could take an hour or more to answer this question because there's so many great memories of things I covered and and people I met. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm still in touch with you guys and a lot of people work here in Edmonton who were there. But I, I guess if I were to pick an event that everybody knows about it would first of all be the 2005 Allen Cup because that was the year of the NHL lockout and Theo Fleury and Gino Ojic and Sasha Lakovic went and played for the Horse Lake Thunder who rolled into town as, as the villains. I mean, everybody wanted to see them play and they could have embraced the like, yeah, you know, we appreciate we're pumping up this event, but we still got to play hard and win and, and what a great moment for hockey. And instead their attitude was pretty much like, we're just here to crush everybody, and we don't care what, what people think. And and I think um, instead of kind of the crowd rallying around them, people uh, took joy in them being upset by Thunder Bay in the in the semifinal. And then the the media availability after with Lakovic and Flurry, which I still have on a VHS tape somewhere, which was I believe it was nine and a half minutes, and only four questions were asked. They were basically just bouncing off each other and saying how much they hated Lloyd Minster and they hated the tournament and the fans were mean to them and the other teams were trying to injure them and all that kind of stuff. That, that was, it was pretty surreal, but, but I mean, one of the final things I covered there, cause I, I left in May of 07 and it would have been in April of 07 uh, when the Border Kings won the Allen cup. And I didn't do a lot of play-by-play there. I mean, I'm not a play-by-play guy by any means, But the last two or three years I was there, we did the odd Bobcats game. And then we did the Allen Cup in Stony Plain. And it was was really cool to see that team win. Obviously, Buck, you know, you were a big part of that team. So, and, and, you know, I knew a lot of the guys. Maybe you're not friends with them, but professionally, and you get to feel like you're kind of pulling for them. I mean, Kent Staniforth was coaching the team. You know, Merv Mann's on the team. Scott Hood, you know Brandon Skinner, and a couple other guys that I'd covered as bandits, and now we're playing on the team. And of course, you know the legendary Corey McKechnie, the goaltender, parachuted in. I don't know if you, know, you probably don't want me to use that term, Buck, but brought in for yeah, the yeah. tournament. And, and and again for that one, I remember going to that, and uh, it was in Stony, and very much the dialogue there was, "It's it's going to be Stony Plain and Banff. This is the All Alberta tournament. They're destined to meet in the final." And I really felt like I don't they realize how good the Border Kings are. And both Stony Plain and uh, Bentley got eliminated in the semis. Stony Plain by Lloyd, and then then the Border Kings beat uh, beat Whitby in the final. And I still on my on my iTunes account, I still have the audio of the end of that game. And it's funny you asked me that because I I stumbled across it and was listening to it the other night. Larry Fisher, who was working for the Oh, what was it called? Was it the Meridian booster at that light time? Lloyd Times, Lloyd Times or the Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it the was booster, called yeah, yeah. And then that was a great moment. And I remember doing interviews. I don't know what we had, but I had some kind of remote setup. I went out on the ice after to interview guys. That is a really great memory seeing the Border Kings win. And and I mean it's the players that did it, but having my voice on it was was pretty cool.
0: I remember when you asked Merv Mann if he was going to, uh, what he was going to do with his shoulder pads. And he told you he threw them in the garbage already. Yeah, yeah I, he I remember.
4: He was, he was he wasn't, he wasn't, oh, I'll make a decision yeah. in a few days. He was like, no, oh, I just played my last game and I'm happy. We're good. Yeah, yeah
0: the yeah. shoulder pads are in the garbage can. That was yeah, a great, that was yeah. great yeah. line. Yeah. And I remember you and I, somebody else was with us too. Uh, Maybe oh, Cliff storm. Harris. Yeah, the yeah, snow snowstorm drive back. back. There was a time where that I think was I was.
4: That was Courtney, Courtney, Courtney Terrio. Terrio. That was Courtney Terry. That was unreal. Like we went back and forth. Um, I mean, it was a, a little frustrating. I think the statute of limitations this past year was a little frustrated with the station that they wouldn't put us up in a hotel Yeah, and they, and they yeah, wouldn't pay for us to feed highlights back for the for the late news so we did five round trips lloyd minster to stony plain in six days so okay you you know it's not not gonna break you but it's it was a little much and to think like geez we're covering the national final and they won't even give us a couple overnights to cut down on the travel so kurt yeah you came with us you went a couple of times for another game or two yeah a couple times so there was this freak april snowstorm and it last. it kind of started as we just left Edmonton because I think it was okay, stony to Edmonton through Edmonton on the yellowhead, and then it picked up yep. and be basically from Edmonton to Manville. And it was crazy because I remember hitting Manville and it was like it was the middle of yeah, June, was, like no snow and it was, yeah. it was dark, but it was fine. And the snow was so bad. I mean, you were almost completely blinded. And I remember at one point a semi sped past us, and all this soft wet snow got spit up on the on the windshield. You know, it was probably four inches thick, and you know the wipers could barely get it off. And one of the most surreal things I remember, Kurt, and this is probably where you were going. I, I was driving, you were in the passenger seat, and I think Courtney had maybe something he could edit some highlights on in the background. So if we didn't make it back to the station in time for the late news because the trip took so long. But I remember at one point you opened the passenger door and like, we're going maybe 30, like maybe probably not even like it was so bad. And Kurt said, I can see the, the white line. And if you're going to hit the ditch, I'll tell you, and you can swerve back onto the road. Like for a while, we were navigating with Kurt having the open door looking out the side because we could barely see ahead of us. There's grass
0: now, Reed. I remember saying, I can see grass now, Reed. Like, yeah, that's exactly where I was heading. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Fun times. And and you're right. I think the statute of limitations is probably worn off, but yes, that's how cheap they were. and it only yeah, got worse yeah. from there. Let's let, let's be honest, it only got worse. Uh, I could tell you stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, Reed, let's let's get into this with uh, you know, what you're covering now and that's mainly, you know, you do all sports, but right now it's football and it's hockey. Um, let's start with the Oilers because they are off to a fantastic start. I mean, this is the start. This is this this looks like a, a a rebirth to me. I mean, this does not look like the team last year that everybody was hoping could win. This looks like a team you expect to win every night.
4: Well, I think especially against the opponents they played. And I think, you know, you hockey is such a, there's often such a small margin between the best teams and the worst, but still, I mean, the, the Oilers are going to be a good team. you got to take care of business, especially against Arizona and Anaheim. I think Calgary and Vancouver are going to be okay, but I mean, Arizona is an outright bad team. They might finish last in the league and th- that game on Thursday night. I mean, the Oilers just overwhelmed them. I mean, sure Arizona had some chances early, but as the game wore on, the Oilers, and here's the thing I'm going to say that, that is a real positive. The Oilers had too much depth. I mean, yes, Big David got a couple of goals and the skilled guys on the power play scored again, but, you know, the third line with Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle and Zach Cassie and his four checking and getting the puck to the net, you know, the fourth line doesn't play a ton, but they're not a negative. When they're out on the ice, they're at least even with, with other teams. So that's a big transformation. And yeah, Kurt hopes are high. I I mean, like, I want to see how they do against some of the better teams. I still think they have some problems against or could have some problems against really heavy teams that can cycle the puck. It takes a little too long. I think for the weather sometimes to get the puck back when they're defending. And if, you know, of course, with those goaltenders and Smith's age and he's already a little hurt here, you, you know, you need them to hold up, but in terms of the, the forwards and the tenacity, I, I mean, it's a better group, even when the Oilers were went to the second round in 2017. I, I, I think, you know, I, I in terms if you look at the forwards one through twelve, so that's a big positive so far.
1: Yeah, and for the Oilers, they're not going to be judged now. They're going to be judged come the playoffs. They're going to be judged whether or not they get to the first round. Now, with that said, you mentioned Mike Smith; he, he's hurt. Uh, any kind of time frame when he's going to be back in the lineup? Well, it
4: doesn't sound serious. I, I mean. No. <laughs> I mean, he might even be able to play Wednesday against Philadelphia, right? Because they have a break after playing the Golden Knights. So it, it doesn't sound serious, but but I get the concern because he missed the, what, 12, 13 games in January at the start of that season, and he missed the start in the preseason. So, you know, I get it, a goalie of that age, any player of that age, or they're just going to be nagging things that flare up and are tough to deal with. But man, oh man, when he's in the net, he's a blast to watch. I mean, he is such an active goalie. And I know with a lot of goalies, you say, well, you need them to play a quiet game. Just get in position, let the puck hit, just swallow it up, and make the save. I if Mike Smith is playing a quiet game, then he's probably having a bad night. He's like he's all over the place. He's out playing the puck. He's I mean, he almost got in another fight in the preseason uh, in a game. I think it was against the Canucks, and then he tried to score a goal later in the game as as well. And I I think he's helped the overall attitude of the team that you know, go get it, like be aggressive. And I think at his point in his career, he said he wants to win a Stanley cup. And even though he doesn't talk about himself as an older player, he knows the clock is ticking.
1: You see Ken Holland's fingerprints all over this team right now, uh, the moves that he made during the off season, and, and I hate to go back to goaltending, but there's still some questioning whether or not the two that they have right now will be the two that will be around come playoffs. At least one of them might be out. Do you see them possibly making a trade sometime during this season and picking up a goalie?
4: That's a good question. I, you know, I, I still think that if if I looked at the three position sets, if you just want to break it down very simply to forward defense and goaltending, I think if they want to be a really good playoff team, I, I would still think defense would be the one I would, I would upgrade. And, I mean, they need somebody like Adam Larson who chose to leave and obviously isn't coming back, but that's kind of what what they lost you know just that shutdown guy you know you will see how bouchard rounds out uh, as an all round player he's had a pretty good start so far you know with barry he's not as good a defender uh somebody stopping the cycle and stuff like that i think keith and CeCe have been decent so far uh i think especially um the saturday game against calgary they played pretty well I understand what you're saying. Buck and George the rack was, was on the staffer the other day and said, that's he said, they need a goalie. The goalies aren't good enough. Like if you look at the goalies in the semifinals last year, they were all Vesna winners at some point in their career. Fair point. Um, I, I, again, just you sell the farm and you sell a bunch of draft picks to get John Gibson. Does John Gibson want to play in Canada? Uh You know, he's the, there aren't that many goalies out there, you know, like Seattle just got Grubauer. They're not going to trade him. Uh, Colorado got Kemper. They're probably not just going to trade him in the year they 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 got him, right? So I I don't know. Um he's he'll do something at the deadline or around the deadline. He's Ken Holland has made no secret of that. Like this is the year, more of a go-for it year, trade a pick, maybe trade a prospect. i s I'd for me, I'd still like them to see see them get deeper on defense rather than prioritizing a goalie right now.
0: It's funny you say that, Reed, because like I listened to that interview. You aired it on just before the just before the game, and uh, then Koskinen goes out and stands on his head. The first ten minutes, you know, you're like, you know, George doesn't know what he's talking about here all of a sudden. But, but I, I mean, we see Koskinen go through that, right? And he almost he does seem to play better when Mike Smith isn't around.
4: Well, he plays better when he's rested, and he's. We'll see how this year goes for him because he also said. It wasn't easy last year, as I'm sure it wasn't for a lot of guys. But you know, living, being alone a lot, yeah. not having your family with you. I mean, I know athletes are professionals, and when you go to the rink, you zone in. But I mean, they're still human beings, woman. right? There's still baggage yeah. and, and things that are affecting you. I mean, he's an, the the problem with Koskinen is it's just the drop off, right? Like if he were kind of he doesn't need to be up here, but if he were kind of here most of the time, the problem is his bad games go down. A really bad so That's really what he bad. needs to avoid, yeah.
0: So you talked about the heavier teams in the West. Like, who are those strong teams in the West when you look around, Reed? Because, really? I mean, Jose's off to a great start. Like, who else is out there in the West that really draws your attention?
4: Well, I still think Colorado's going to be good, even though they haven't started the season very well. And I, I think Winnipeg's going to be good. I know they uh, they got a couple guys in COVID protocol, but then they still beat Anaheim. They should have beat Anaheim their first game of the season, but Gibson stole it. I, you know, looking at the Jets roster, I, I think that's a good team. Um, I think Dallas can be pretty good uh, in the in, in this division. It should be the Oilers and Vegas competing for the top two spots. Um, you know, it's funny. Rob Brown was saying uh, after the game against um, Arizona, uh, it may. As it goes throughout the season, like he kind of expects that there'll be a, a larger gap between the best teams and the lower teams, as opposed to like, okay, well, the first place teams, you know, 16 points ahead of last place. Like he thinks it's going to be wider as the season goes on. And and it could be that type of year. Like I, I think the central division is still good, but I don't know if it's. Like, I don't think they're going to get five playoff teams. I, I don't think St. Louis is ultimately going to turn out to be that good. Um, you know, Minnesota might be okay. Um, but, I, but I think the Oilers can be, I certainly think they can be one of the top four. I mean, I think they'll be one of the top two in the division, which means you're one of the top four in the conference.
1: Let's talk about one Eastern team right now, and it's Kurt Price's team. Montreal Canadiens are 0 for the season right now. Uh, what great concerns are there in Montreal and, and have they lost their identity because they don't have Carey Price. They're back in, of course, without Weber It's a huge hole. Uh, they've lost a little bit up front, too. Did they lose their identity from that team that made that run in the Stanley Cup final to the team that you're seeing right now that can't win a hockey game?
4: Well, the concerns are everywhere. Uh, I mean, quite, quite frankly. I'm sorry, Kurt, but I mean, look, they were a Cinderella team. But that's that's hockey. That's that's the postseason. They they got to where they did. They accomplished it. But yeah, I mean, you take out Price and Weber. I mean, that's that's the top two players on the team. I mean, that's uh, it, you know McDavid and Dry settle gone for the Oilers or McDavid and Nurse, I guess, if you want to split up the position sets. So. And, and now they, I mean, they can't score at least kind of in the playoffs last year, they had this kind of plucky offense with the goals coming from all over the place. They're, they're not getting the goals as well. I, I haven't seen a ton of their games, but I I certainly think it was expected they were going to drop off and might even struggle to make the playoffs, but Oh, and five in that city. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, they changed coaches last year. Are they going to change coaches yet again? Um, and I like. I'll ask you for like, what did you think of them letting Yemi
0: walk? Oh, I didn't think they had a choice because, right. you know, but the thing that frustrates me about the Canadians is the, is the way they handle the young players. Like uh, they just don't have a real good track record of how they handle young players. I mean, you know, they don't really allow guys to play through stuff They, you know, you're just up in the, you're kind of up in the box all the time. Right. You know, you're going good. You're, you're on the ice. And then you have a bad game, two bad games. You're, you know, they might even send you down. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know. There's there's something in the way they handle young players that I haven't been comfortable with for a long time now in, in what they do there. So I, 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 it wouldn't be that bad to have a rebuild after going to the final. I mean, let's face it, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup with this group, right? You, you're going out and your big free agent signing is Mike Hoffman? Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not even close to to where you want to be, to, to getting back to that Stanley Cup. And and they've never really bottomed out, right, Reed? I mean, you know, you look at Montreal, they never really bottomed out. They have a top three draft pick every, what, five or six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And that that's about it. And then the other thing is they've had lots of draft picks, but they haven't done much with them, really. I mean, you
4: know, Yeah, looks- and I mean, it is. I mean, the Oilers obviously bottomed out for far too long. But, I mean, mm-hmm. eventually you get a McDavid or a Matthews or – uh, i mean even look at tampa bay i mean yes they've built with other pieces but don't forget where stamp goes and hedman were drafted right?
0: yeah like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, people well, have habits forgetting first. about that yeah and at that oh, yeah. time that's they that had like yeah. yeah right you know?
4: how did they get him and they, yeah, yeah. Being bad in the previous generation
0: that's exactly it so i mean at let's some switch, point f- let's
1: switch gears talk a little cfl now and speaking of teams that are struggling we talked about montreal the, the the team that uh, you're a fan of, your season ticket holder, you're a media member in Edmonton. It's the Elks. Uh, first of all, people are wondering when they're going to change their name. They finally did. And of course, the controversy behind that. And then this season happens. Yeah. And then they trade away Trevor Harris. And they can't win a football game right now. Uh, what concerns are there in Edmonton, especially after you trade away your marquee quarterback?
4: Yeah, well, there are some pretty big picture concerns about the Elks, and quite frankly, Buck Trevor Harris was not a marquee quarterback this year. I mean, he was not playing well enough, and, and he got benched. And I, you know, ultimately, I think that was the right move to trade him to try to get something for him. And the, the offense is still not great, but at least it's a little bit more exciting with with Taylor Cornelius, who can move around a little bit, and at least you're seeing what you have for next year. I think the concerns are, are pretty big with the Elks right now. Uh, I mean, Brock Sunderland has been the GM since 2017, and the team has kind of, in my mind, the roster's kind of gotten a little worse every year. Um, you know, Jamie Elizondo is a first year coach. I think at times he's been out coached by more experienced staffs. I do think the, the, the defense has played pretty Well, I won't say pretty well. I think the defense as a whole is probably an average unit. And and you've seen some adjustments that they've made over the year. And it's not like in the losses to Winnipeg, they were defensive losses. I mean, they were more field position losses for, for the most part. I mean, it's funny that game, they allowed 30 points against the bombers on the road and the defense got praised because Winnipeg was starting in Edmonton's end of the field most of the time. And the special teams outside of the kicking like the return game and the return coverage are, are complete disasters. It's it's going to be a big off season for the Elks. I mean, what are they what do they decide to do with Sunderland? Uh, and then as a result, what happens to Elizondo? I mean, it was I, I don't think any team in the CFL is printing its own money this year after 2020 not happening. So can you afford to pay people not to coach and not to be GMs? Right, if with their contracts uh still going in into next seasons and and then you have you know all the other stuff with uh all the players having covid and you know james wilder complaining about how vaccinated players are you know in his mind treated better than than he's being treated you know and they're mostly i think there's only six players not vaccinated i mean they're over the 85 percent but it's been a bigger issue in edmonton than it has been in other cities. And I think that's, you know, kind of cost them um, with sort of the perception and and more frustration for the fan base as well. Look, they, they, they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs. They, they might win another game um, just because uh, they still have a couple home games here. Hamilton's not playing great. And I know you guys, you know, like the, like the riders. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things I don't like about the riders lately, how, how they're playing. So maybe a game at Commonwealth, maybe the Elks could steal one there. But then they got three games in seven days. And it's funny, you know, that game against Toronto and the COVID situation, you know, I almost felt like there was a little bit of celebration by the organization. It was like, well, we didn't have to forfeit. Oh, we're still going to get paid. Well, yeah, but now you're playing three road games in seven days in three different time zones, none of which are your home time zone. So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna lose like it's still a loss you know even though it wasn't a forfeit Yeah, it's it's, it's just been a tough year uh, I mean I still go to the games and as, as a fan you still pull for them and once they get I mean those two games against the, the two games against Winnipeg here were good games like if you just watch those games you might think well the Elks are you know a plucky little team they just don't quite have the horses but then you know they lose twice to Ottawa and they don't score touchdowns in a couple games it's just
1: been a frustrating year
0: yeah, Can Grimes, Grimes yeah. doesn't drop that ball and it's a cool. different game. They might They actually. probably win, yeah.
1: Can we have Paul Waldo on, you know, three-time breakup champion and defensive back in the league and, and talked about the comparisons between the CFL and the NFL and, and for the longest time, the CFL was a wide open game it was a track meet and, and you didn't see that in the NFL. Now you're seeing the opposite. The tables have flipped and now you're seeing kind of grind out field goal kicking kind of games. In the NFL you're seeing track meets. And more than anything, you're seeing no flow to the game from the CFL because every time there's a battle between a defensive back and a receiver, there's going to be a flag in the play. And as a fan, as a media guy, do you see that, that the game has changed a lot in the CFL?
4: Yeah, yeah it's a big concern for me. It's 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 a big concern because I think even, even 15 to 20 years ago, I, I mean, we all know the NFL gets – better talent i mean we all know as raw football players speed size how hard they can throw the ball like the better players are in the nfl but the cfl always said well yeah but we got more action we got more wide open we're more likely to have a 38 34 game you know we're we're more likely to have a kick return touchdown but now like you said the nfl has embraced offense i think they're getting players they're embracing players they maybe wouldn't have 30 years ago. I mean, just, just as a total hypothetical, and obviously these guys are great players. Would have Tyreek let's – go, let's go back to 1991. Would have Tyreek Hill been in the NFL or the CFL? Would have Lamar Jackson been in the NFL or the CFL? Would have Kyler Murray been in the NFL or the CFL? It's more likely they would have at least started in the CFL, right? You know, certainly to just because of size. And, and I mean, even when Michael Vick played, and that was you know kind of I think 04 or 05 was his peak, There were a lot of people that were like, well, this Vic kid, you can't scramble. You can't, you can't scramble. You can't have your quarterback being your leading rusher. Like what, what's going on? And now it's like, yeah, Lamar Jackson, go run the ball, run around, make a play. And, And the thing that frustrates me in the Canadian football league is, you know, the old saying I remember that is now outdated. It was like, you know, when you throw the ball, two, three, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Right? You can throw an interception or you can throw an incompletion. You know, now that's pretty much out the window. Teams want to chuck it, but I still feel like at the CFL, quarterbacks aren't just afraid to throw an interception. They're even afraid to throw an incompletion. Like, oh, well, I'll, I'll dump it down for three yards on second and six, but at least I completed the pass. At least my completion percentage is going to be 77 for the game, but I'm only going to throw for 210 yards and we'll lose by 13 points. And I, I, it does worry me a bit because you know, for most of our lives, the CFL has been a nine-team league. I guess there was that long stretch. It was eight and there were the American teams for a while, but I I feel like it used to be, you know, the, the top, the, the bottom three teams in the CFL were kind of unwatchable. Like they just were bad, bad organizations, disorganized, but the top six teams would be entertaining and anything could happen. I feel it's kind of flipped now. Like if you get the top three teams, two of the top three teams in the CFL going head to head, it's probably going to be a good game, but now it's the bottom six where you're like, you know, my God, like what's happening? Why is it, you know, eight, five at halftime with no touchdowns? So that concerns me. You know, I, I think the offense has picked up as the season has gone on. I think not having a pandemic and no preseason um, hurt the offense, but I, I, I don't know what the, what they're going to do. Like, cause it's, it's not going to get any easier to get players. I don't know if you change rules. I don't know if you outlaw zone defenses. I don't know if you put limits on the way defensive formations uh, can work. But there is – you're right, Buck. The NFL has become the, the the circus, and the CFL has become now
1: the plotting league. There's simply too much nylon on the field all the time, and that's all well, you're that seeing. Help. Yeah. You know, and that, 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 hex, that really hurts the flow of the game.
0: Well, Reed, thanks, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, great points. And uh, we'll be listening to Inside Sports, 6 to 8 o'clock weeknights.
4: I'm really happy to do this with you guys anytime.
0: Thanks, Reed. Nice to see you again. Man.
4: Okay. Thanks for doing this.
0: PWM Steel in Minster is the key supplier and largest indoor
1: inventory of steel between Edmonton and Saskatoon. Locally owned, PWM Steel offers a wide range of services from steel cutting and bending to custom sign and powder coating. PWM Steel uses aluminum products as well as new and recycled steel. Key supplier of steel products and services since 1982.
4: Visit their website at pwmsteel.com.
0: Welcome back. Our guest is Paul Waldo. Paul, great to see you again. It's been a while. How are things in Regina?
3: Things are good. Things are good. Life's good. Life's busy. Uh, you know, we're uh, getting into this fall season, and football is rocking and rolling. And we got we got all forms of football happening right now, which is always exciting. And um, and it's it's good. It's good to finally see the the CFL. Almost feel like it's it's back on track now. It's in the Later end of the of the regular season, and then you know I I do do coach at the U of S as well, so that that keeps us pretty busy, and so it's been good.
0: So has it felt kind of like the end of the CFL season? Like like things feel normal to me, even though we got started later. October football feels like October
3: football. It feels like where we should be, doesn't it? it? It it does. I mean, you know, the good thing is, I know you know we had bubbles and bubble situations um, going into training camp and I think early on I don't think it really felt like football was really happening I mean all the restrictions and you had a lot of guys being cooped up in one area and training camp I know talking to a lot of guys former teammates and good friends of mine who still play in the league felt like it was like jail because you know they hadn't been playing football in, in two years and you know so once they got back I know coaches. Had players there for as long as they could, so I think it felt hard and tough, and it was frustrating because you weren't able to finally get into that game action. And and now that things are back to normal, there really isn't a bubble. You know, you know, there's different stadiums, everybody's playing, and the season seems like it's 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 back to where it is. So it's good. Hey, Paul, there's a lot of twists and turns
1: in the well, CFL season. Uh, yeah. And for the Calgary Stampeders, if you look about four weeks ago, know. they were dead, and I was not healthy. Uh, you thought that there's no way they're going to bounce back through this. But look, who has, you know, well, Levi's back. They peaked the Riders. They're going to play against the Riders again this weekend. Did you ever think the
3: Stampeders would bounce off the turf and and do what they're doing right now? You know, I I didn't. I guess I should say I'm not surprised that they are, but I really thought this was uh, a time where, you know, that perennial powerhouse, the team that's been in the postseason for the last, you know, 15 years that had played in four great cups that had been very successful, that dynasty from top to bottom, I felt it was probably at its at its end. Um, but then you sit there and you think, well, are you really surprised? You know, the guy throwing the ball still, is, 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 is still a, a champion. He's a, he's a, a league MVP. Um, he's won multiple great cups. You know, the guy running the organization, the GM himself, you know, he's a, he's a great cup winner himself i believe played in both leagues and then obviously with the guy with the with the with the field general who's actually on the on the field who controls it all in in dickinson so when you have when you have those three guys in those three positions which are three of the most important positions in football your gm your head coach and the quarterback um you're usually you're going to be okay and it's it's they're scary if i can if i can be honest with you because there's nothing worse than a team that has their back against the wall that looks like they're dead, and, and now almost seems like they're unstoppable. Um, they're really starting to click, and they're really starting to play good football. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's going be, they're going to be a problem. They are a problem for for teams in the West right now.
0: And on the opposite end of that, Paul is the Saskatchewan Roughriders, who started yeah. strong and now have uh, faded. Uh, before we get into that, though, do you ever remember playing a team three times in a row? Ever in, in any in any Never. level? What does that Ever. do to the, that has to, the animosity has to be just incredible, especially when you lose the first two.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to almost organically, naturally um, are going to have a built up sense of uh, resentment and animosity. That's just because, I mean, you're, 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 you're banging. You guys are hitting, and you're playing against each other competitively almost non-stop, Right. It's, it's like, it's like that, it's like that nagging thing where you feel like that's usually the one good thing. I mean, I remember me as a former player, you know, different matchups every week. I'm like, oh shit, okay, this is who I'm playing this week, or you know, it was it was sometimes easier than others, but then especially if you're in that competitive nature, that rivalry, it's a, it's a divisional rivalry and you're having to just go at it and almost you're you're almost probably so beat up after because there's just so much pent-up emotion and, and, and energy built in it. So you're right. It's uh and the other thing is it's generally really difficult to play a team even back to back, even the labor days and and stuff like that, where you're just um it almost takes. It almost. I don't want to say takes the fun out of it, but like I said, it almost turns into a, a miserable grudge match, you know. So that's kind of really strange that the schedules have played out. And I know the league has obviously done the best that they can with the circumstances that they're in, but really strange to be to be playing a team three times in a row. What does Duke Williams and Shaq uh, being in the receiving core for oh, the Riders? What does what does that do for Cody? I mean, first and foremost, I think I think Shack has been uh, almost a, a safety blanket for a guy like um, Cody, who, you know, has really only been a starter for a year and a half now, right? Um, chemistry is super important and the continuity that they've had, they've had with each other, especially Shaq me lined up at that boundary, that X receiver, which is, you know, which is the short side of the field. But then uh, more importantly, you get a guy like Duke Williams, who for myself, who has been involved in this league, you know, almost 10 years as a player and, you know, five as a media guy. I don't think I've seen anybody, um with the exception maybe of an SJ Green and my former teammate that can go up and win that contested ball, that 50-50 ball, and make the heart the tough catches that he has, there hasn't been a better player, literally. And, and I, I bet you say I, – I bet I'd be safe to say in decades that that brings the skill set that Duke Williams has. So he is going to be an astronomical blaster, especially because where we're struggling, I think, as a, as a team collectively is really that offense. So the offense isn't able – to make hasn't been able to convert on big plays and throwing the ball down the field as much. And it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a struggle. So I think the one way to help a a quarterback that maybe hasn't been as consistent, um, especially in terms of the big play is surrounding himself with, with, with horses and, uh, and Duke will, I mean, he's a stallion in in, in himself. So it'll be, it'll be huge for him.
0: On the other side of the ball, Mike Edom is still out. Uh, There's a guy they really, really missed. They kind of left Calgary off the hook. You know, they, mm-hmm. they had three turnovers, two interceptions on Bo, so they kind of yeah. let him off. But what has the defense been like for you? And I want to talk about the offensive line as well, but um, the defense has not been the Achilles Hill of this football no. team, even with Mike Edom out.
3: No, I mean, first of all, Mike Edom brings brings an incredible dimension of football because he's been in the league for a long time. I mean, I remember him and this rookie or Montreal, I had just left Montreal and I mean, he was a rookie of the year nominee. He was a divisional all-star. He's been in the league a long time. He does everything pretty well. He tackles well. He can cover well. You, you don't get a lot of safety hybrid players that can do a little bit of both. And he's a guy who used to play used to play linebacker in college. So he's tough. He can, he can play in the box when he has to. So just even that veteran leadership and the skill set that he brings, I, I think they've missed. But defensively overall, um, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty stoked. And The hard thing is, is your offense, especially in the CFL, is – um, your defense is really indicative of, 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 the offense. If the offense can, can control the ground, control the line of scrimmage um, can run the clock down and keep that defense off the field is almost as just as important as them scoring points offensively. Right. So when your defense is out there and if you're playing, you know, 70, 80 snaps a game, you know what I mean? By the time you get to the sideline after getting off the field I mean you go, you can't even grab the glass of water and, you know, yeah, yeah, your, the offense is putting in second long and you're already calling for punting because you're going to be back out there. I mean, you don't even have time to undo your bucket to get water, right? So I think that that really hurts the defense as well. I think the lackluster of the offense. But uh, that defense has done a pretty pretty good job. Um, and then I know discipline has been a bit of an issue um, collectively. Um, And so cleaning that up is, is going to help them as well.
0: What do you make of uh, Dan Clark's comments uh, this week? He he didn't have any, you know, he didn't pull any punches. He just said the offensive line in particular himself wasn't very good. Uh, that, that has been an Achilles heel all season, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you look at a guy like like Dan Clark. I mean, you know, you want to talk about a veteran, a guy who's played at a high level since he's been in the league. And that's, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what a good player, a good teammate does. He's They're always going to take accountability on themselves. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those catch-22s because – nothing um, is better on an offense than having a balanced attack, right? And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, we need to run the ball more. We need to run the ball more for sure. It's true, but then um, you're lacking in big play abilities. And when you're down and behind in games, you really don't have time to really run the ball, though you need to establish the ground game in order to open up the pass game. So it's been tough for them. And I think, you know, I, I don't think the offensive line has played overly great. That's, that's for sure. And I think, once again, it's one of those things where I think everybody helps everybody out, um, and and I think it starts with the offense being able to make big plays down the field. Um, and if you know if you're doing that, the defense has really got to got play a little bit more conservative. They can't stack the box and completely eliminate your your, your ground game, right? So it all works together. And I, you know, I'm hoping, um, you know, with, obviously with these two two losses in a row to the to the same team that that they can come back and and uh, and correct their mistakes and play better football.
1: Paul, I come every Sunday. There's always comparisons between the CFL and the NFL. And for the longest time, the CFL was a bit of a track meet. There was a lot of offense. You haven't seen that that much this year. In the NFL, the other case, you've seen track meets. And and you've seen so many flags in the field of the CFL that there's no flow to the game at times. Right. And and one of the calls that they make all the time that you can't battle if you're a defensive back. And you're a former defensive back with Montreal and Saskatchewan with three great cup wins. So you've seen how the game has changed in the CFL if you're a defender. And in the NFL, you can you can compete going down the field and we battle for those can. footballs,
3: and you've yeah. seen some great receivers, some great defensive plays, but you don't see that in the CFL now. It's hard. I mean, everybody knows, like you said, it's it's the perfect um, phrase, track meet, because that's what this league has been like, and especially you know bringing in the replays, the instant replays and stuff like that. Um, gosh I mean there's things that happen on every play so you know advantageously for offenses in this league um you throw the ball 75 percent of the time generally um, you get a yard off the line of scrimmage even in the box so you know what I mean offensive line they have they have a a more advantage and then more importantly receivers receivers get to move in the motion because they get to move in the in the slot right so it's like I said it's, it's such a it's such an offensive driven league and then you throw that in there with a team with a league now yeah. that hasn't, hasn't played football in, in two years, I think. So you saw a yeah. slow starts to it all. The games are, you know, 14, 10 and 17, nine and it was, it was quite slow. Um, so it's, it's just interesting, but it makes, it does make it very, very difficult for, for a defensive back. Cause I know even, even with regards to playing the technique itself, gosh, you're, you're afraid to touch a guy. Cause you, you know, they're going to review it and they're going to call it back. And it just, and I think, I think it really hurts the league.
0: I think you think anything can change? Like, do you think you've gone too far to go back now, Paul?
3: I don't, I don't think you ever, I mean, I don't think any and every mistake can't be corrected. I just think, and I know they've tried and I know it's hard, even from an official standpoint. I mean, gosh, it's not like they, they see the game in slow motion and, and they're humans. They're going to miss calls and make plays, but I don't know. It just, it just seems quite challenging for a defensive, defensive guy to, to play football in that league, especially when you can, when you can do what
0: you can do. The other thing that we've seen in the CFL this year, and I, you know, I, I, granted they didn't play last year, so maybe I'm out of the loop on this, but, but the thing that I've seen more, maybe you have too, is, is the, you know, them calling down, you know uh, you know, they're doing that so much so often now, you know, even sometimes when they don't, you know, they don't overchange the call. There's, you know, they're announcing on the field, you know, uh, they, they want to take a look at it. You know, up in the sky. And and right. do you is this is this new?
3: I don't know. It was always before like they would let, let the play roll because they knew where they were gonna review it. And then now they're calling guys down. So it's 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 I think that's the hardest part. I think as an athlete, you hope that you get some sort of consistency in the way they call it. It's bad enough that you're gonna call it one way or another. Cool. Just keep it consistent. You just you haven't gotten that. It almost seems like everybody's forgotten how the game of football works, right? I uh, We had said, I think, even early in the season, I mean, nobody had a chance to play preseason games and nobody played two years. So, I mean, I always say it's a, it was, it's a, you know, the first couple of games were like preseason games, not only for the players, but the coaches and the officials and stuff like that. So, you're right, though. I, I've noticed that more more often this year than any year.
0: Command center always uh, always seems like a command center. Hey, Winnipeg got a kicker. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine right now that Toronto beat them. They're by far... The uh, the best team in the CFL. Yeah. Who's who's going to give them a run,
3: Paul? You know, I, I think I think Toronto. I mean, you look at the game last week, and you know Edmonton, essentially the worst team in the league, if you call it, That was pretty close, right? Um, and, and it's hard in pro sports. anybody and everybody could win. It's that any given Sunday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Um, but I think Toronto's playing some pretty good football. Uh, you know, they get a they get a the booster of talent back in and I believe uh, Enoch Wamba's back back in the lineup and so is Charleston Hughes. So, I mean, two veterans, two two pretty significant playmakers. I mean, you almost look at a team like Winnipeg, who's so dangerous, and it's hard to continue to keep that message of playing football at such a high standard. I think think that's just their culture. I think that's just the way they are, but um, not getting complacent every week, you know, because it's hard. It's hard to keep the same energy and to keep the same focus when you continue to win, just like being on the other side when you're losing every game, like in Ottawa or Edmonton, it's hard to it's hard to try to get your morale up, and you know, and the negativity, and and you, you feel a lot of negative energy in the room. But I think I think Toronto can be a team. I think they they've played good enough football in, in all three phases um, to maybe give them a run for their money. And then you know, the other team will probably be Calgary. I think I think Calgary is a different team now than they were, heck, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. You know. So I think they're a team that's really starting to, to peak and really starting to find their identity because they look like a team that was quite lost, you know, in those first couple couple of weeks. So um, you know, I think Kevin can give a run, but I think Toronto, I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, before we let you
1: go there, Paul, uh, your yep. course defensive back coach of the US Huskies, big game sure. for them here on Saturday yes. against the Rams. How's the season going?
3: You know, it's going it's going well. I mean, once again, it's it's a situation where the season has been um, you know, cut down. It's only six games as opposed to eight games. And, and so that, that makes it obviously really challenging, but um, it's, it's, it's a weird league. You know, you get, you know, the, the, the number one ranked Vanity cup champions in Calgary whooped us in week one, and then they went and lost Regina in week two. And then, you know, UBC who didn't look like they'd win a game all year beats Regina. And then, you know, Manitoba's three and all. So it's very um, unpredictable, we'll say, but uh, as, as is football and, you know, there's a lot of talent in the league, so it's it's um it's one of those things where to continue to get better, and hopefully we can be there at the end of it.
1: Yeah, who would have thought UBC would have went into Regina and do, yeah. did what they did last
3: Saturday and that's beat the Rams? Yeah, especially especially up, I think twenty three nothing at halftime, right? Yeah. So it's um it's a strange league, you know. Blake Neal, you can never count him out. <laughs> you really you really can. He's a great coach, and uh, they got it. They got a pretty good coaching staff over there. Shamari Williams, who. There's a former first overall pick by the riders, right? University of Houston, very experienced, understands um, football at, um, at an amateur level. Um, you know, he, he's, he's pretty good at what, what he does over there. They got a couple of guys on, on staff as well. I think Kirby Fabian, a former Calgary Dino played in the CFL for a long time. And so they got players with experience and, and guys that know how to win. So, yeah, it's 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 strange. It's uh, it's good though. It's exciting. Um, even on our end, you know, you sit here in the CFL, like I said three weeks ago, four weeks ago, the conversation's different, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's that's uh, that's why you love the game. So,
0: well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck, um, uh, by the my way. My pleasure. And if you're able to catch the uh, the Riders game late, late. tomorrow night, because late tonight, because yeah, it is late. such a late game, uh, enjoy that as well. And thanks for your time.
3: I will likewise. Always a pleasure, guys. We chat
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today. And I want to thank our uh, guests. We had some great guests in today. Uh, Greg Buchanan for uh, co-hosting. Very knowledgeable about sports. Has spent years and years in it. Uh, Dean Stark from Lloyd Minor Hockey. Uh, Here's a guy who we just have a ton of respect for. Reed Wilkins, who is a friend of ours and has been a friend of ours for years and years and does a great job on inside sports. And Paul Waldo, who's coaching today with the Huskies. And we wish him the best of luck. And I was laughing there when he said about the Argos because the Argos lost last night. We recorded that lately last night with, uh, or uh, late yesterday afternoon with uh, with Paul, so he didn't know they were going to lose to the Alouettes either. Kind of messaged us and said, hey, uh, I mentioned the Argos are flying and they lose. But you know what? Those are fantastic guys. Were are uh, great. We had a chance to chat with them. We're back again on Tuesday. We'll continue the sports talk uh, in... In, in a way because we are going to talk about just relentless and caleb davidson uh, who spends his time at Wildside outdoors and on just relentless is going to be joining us and we'll talk hunting tuesday morning 11 o'clock from the new lloyd mr nissan have a great weekend